0: Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is April the 28th, 2017. And as always, I am thrilled to be joining you this evening um, to catch up on the uh, past week's um, issues, activities, lunacy, if you will. Pardon me. You know, um, those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with the program, know that I'm a retired INS Immigration and Naturalization Service senior special agent ever since 9-11, ever since the attacks of 9-11 back in 2001. And by the way, as a New Yorker, I can tell you that those ashes landed on my home and in part contained the remains of my neighbors as well as so many other innocent victims. Uh, I have been determined to try to get our politicians and just as importantly, perhaps more importantly, our fellow Americans to truly understand the significance of immigration. For years, immigration has been portrayed as a minor, no-big-deal issue. Immigration, uh, we used to say back when I became an agent or when I was an inspector, we were the stepchild of the Justice Department. Yes, we were under the Justice Department. After 9-11, immigration was moved to the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I used to call that agency the Department of Homeland Surrender. I have to tell you that under the Trump administration, Uh, I've seen progress moving uh, the enforcement of our immigration laws, the securing of our borders uh, in the right direction to truly uh, help enhance national security, public safety, and the other issues that are hammered, that are undermined by failures of border security, failures of effective immigration law enforcement. And that's what this program primarily focuses on. And some people say to me, well, how can you talk about immigration week after week, month after month? year after year, in point of fact, immigration and failures of the immigration system are a major component to many of the news stories that are out there, but it's almost never reported that way. You know, um, the idea of allowing foreign nationals access to our country when we don't know who they are is dangerous. The idea of flooding America with foreign workers, both here legally and illegally, is nuts. We are costing Americans their jobs. We are costing Americans their wages, their working conditions, their futures. We are disincentivizing achievement by our own children. We hear so much about the kids, the dreamers. Why doesn't anybody focus on American kids, American children living in poverty, American black and Latino kids? who live in in a war zone in all too many of our cities. Look at the murder rate in Chicago, the violence, the shootings. Newark, New Jersey, same story. Nobody talks about that. Los Angeles, the gangs, unbelievable. So I decided after those ashes landed on my home and after I was reached out to by so many people because I had already testified before Congress back on May 20th, 1997, I decided that since people were reaching out to me, I would reach out to them and others and try to provide my perspectives that I acquired during the course of my 30-year career with the INS to change public opinion, to make people understand finally and for once and for all that border security, as was the title of an article I wrote for Front Page last week, border security is national security. And of course, we're a country of 50 border states. Again, if you're familiar with me, familiar with my program, my writings, you know that I've always made the point that any state that lies on the northern or the southern borders, any state that has access to America's 95,000 miles of coastline, any state that has an international airport, these are all border states. New York hits the trifecta. New York state shares its border with Canada to the north. We have uh, coastal regions and seaports and we have a number of international airports within the state of New York. So New York State is certainly a border state. New York City, in fact, is the municipality that's believed to uh, be home to the greatest number of illegal aliens in the country, surpassing even Los Angeles. But these all fly in the face of this very very, carefully crafted narrative of lies and propaganda and Orwellian newspeak. This program is designed to cut through all the nonsense. Generally, I don't have guests on. I won't have a guest on this evening because that one hour goes all too quickly. I was on a radio program this morning. Every other Friday, generally, I'm on a program hosted by Bobby Gunther Walsh. He's become a friend. I did a speaking event with him not that long ago in Pennsylvania. We had a sellout, standing room only crowd. It was amazing. And I spend an hour with him, and it goes by like a blur. And so because there's so much information, unless there's a specific reason to bring a guest on, I'd rather just sit back and talk to you about the issues of the day, provide you with my perspective from my vantage point, having enforced and administered the immigration laws for 30 years, having spent 15, roughly, of those 30 years with the Drug Task Force, with DEA Intelligence, I've arrested terrorists, I've arrested dishwashers, and I've arrested everybody in between. I've arrested murderers and the child molesters, the flotsam and jetsam that's out there. And it's not about people from Latin America. That's another one of the lies. I've arrested people from England, from Canada, from Japan, from Pakistan, from Jamaica. Yes, from Mexico, Colombia, Ecuador, Israel, you name it. I've probably arrested someone from the country. So we have to bust. This is a myth. This isn't about Latinos. This isn't about um, being you know, discriminatory or xenophobic. It's about being cautious in a very dangerous era. Um, as uh, we go on the air right now, as I'm doing this program just a short time ago, North Korea, again, attempted to launch one of their missiles. That rogue nation poses an existential threat to the world. And I assure you, they would love to get their operatives inside the United States if they're not already here. Don't for a moment think that the immigration system and our borders aren't in play. They are. During the Second World War, the Nazis attempted to send saboteurs. That was the word then, saboteur. It sounds like, you know, typical World War II movie, right? Saboteurs. Now we talk about terrorists sent them to the United States on U-boats. They landed uh, on Long Island, and they landed in Florida. And the FBI, to this day, uh, considerable coverage about that, the fact that a couple of Coast Guardsmen who were keen-eyed saw what was happening, reported it to the Bureau. Ultimately, they were all rounded up. Uh, A cache of weapons, explosives were found, and these people, uh, for the most part, were executed within months as enemy combatants. A couple of them, one was a naturalized U.S. citizen, not unlike what we're seeing today with the naturalized citizens who, um, you know, want to come here and commit terror attacks. We saw that at the Boston Marathon. One of the two Tsarnaev brothers was naturalized. The other was applying for citizenship. Faisal Shahzad, Times Square bomb, a naturalized citizen. We're seeing the same pattern. You know, nothing new under the sun. History repeats itself. So the naturalized citizen, I believe, got uh, 30 years in jail. And one or two others of those Germans got life in prison, and the majority were executed as as enemy combatants. Today, we are in a similar situation, except the terrorists aren't coming here in U-boats. They're coming here on airliners, and they're coming here by running the Mexican border, the Canadian border, and arguably stowing away on ships. You know, there's there's so many ways to come here. Uh, Some time ago, I wrote an article. Um, and I called it, uh, or I referenced at least, um, the idea about Paul Revere, you know, the, two, the three lanterns that had it covered, one if by land, two if by sea. And I made the point that there were so many ways for aliens to enter the United States today that if um, a modern-day Paul Revere was to signal how they were coming, they'd, you'd have to buy up all the lanterns at the local Home Depot or Lowe's and would risk setting fire to the Old North Church. There's certainly no shortage of ways
1: for aliens
0: to enter the United States, including those with malintentions. So that's what I want to focus on today. I want to discuss the fact that today Attorney General Jeff Sessions was out on Long Island, in Islip, talking about MS-13 and the threats that they pose and the people that they've killed. And I want to talk about a couple of articles, and I'm very proud of them, that appear – Uh, in the um, quarterly journal, The Social Contract. In fact, I have the two lead articles. It's a quarterly, and I've been writing for them for many years. But this time around, the spring 2017 issue has two of my articles, which is kind of unusual, and they're the lead stories. And one of them is about immigration fraud. And the other one is the idea about how immigration reform must put Americans first and the title goes on to say, political compromise must not jeopardize national security, public safety, or the well-being of Americans. And my article about fraud was entitled, <clears throat> Immigration Fraud, The Lies That Kill, 9-11 Commission Identified Immigration Fraud as the Key Embedding Tactic of Terrorists. That article about fraud, by the way, at um, thesocialcontract.com, con- the very important article. It runs about 20 pages long. Pardon me, I can't get rid of this frog in my throat. Kermit has set up shop today. Um, And when I looked at fraud, you know, traditionally, there's two kinds of immigration fraud. Fraud documents, the guy that gets a counterfeit birth certificate or alters a passport or a driver's license, or the alien who engages in a marriage fraud or gets a visa by claiming to have a job or skill set that he or she really doesn't have. These are all examples of fraud. But I also tackled another fraud issue that's associated with immigration. And I think this will be an eye opener for you. In addition to explaining the tactics used by aliens, including terrorists, to both enter the United States and, in the parlance of the 9 11 Commission, embed themselves, hide in plain sight among us as they go about their deadly preparations, I took a hard look at the fraud that is being perpetrated on the American people by the politicians. By pollsters, by pundits, by the journalists, by corporations, by special interest groups, modifying the language. This isn't political correctness. This is Orwellian. This is changing the language to change perceptions. That's what the narrative is about. So this is all about the way that Americans are being conned. You know, we have to import the world's best and brightest if America is going to lead. Sure thing, folks. These are the same politicians who speak about American exceptionalism. These are the same people who ignore the fact that corporations keep on firing thousands of American high-tech workers, replace them with people from India primarily, but other countries as well, as they run to Congress and say, we need more visas, we have a shortage of high-tech workers, as they fire their next batch of Americans. If you have a shortage of high-tech workers, why in, in the world are you firing your Americans? Many of these Americans got great evaluations. Many of these Americans worked loyally for those companies for many years, in some cases decades. And then you come to find out that they've been fired so that the company could hire somebody from India with far less qualifications, far fewer qualifications, less skill, less ability, less experience, but they work for less money. So this is purely an economic equation. If we get rid of Charlie Smith, who's worked for us for 30 years, and we bring in this guy from India, we can get him to work for a third of Charlie's wages, and we don't have to give him um, health insurance, and we don't have to pay into a 401k because he has no expectation of that, and the list goes on and on and on. So we hear these lies. That's a form of fraud. It's a fraud being foisted on the American people so that the American people believe that we have no alternative but to hire foreign workers. We're being told of solutions to the immigration problem that aren't solutions at all. The lie that we can't deport them all, so we may as well give them lawful status. Well, you know, if you go into my article, again, it's 20 pages long. i it, it, worked on this for several months. I tried to make it, um, you know, fair I, I don't want to use the word comprehensive, because then I started getting the heebie-jeebies thinking about comprehensive immigration reform. But I tried to include as many of these issues as I could so that when you get done with the article, you come away with real knowledge. We've become a Twitter society. You know, 144 characters, I believe, is what they allow. I I don't even do the Twittering business. I'm a low-tech kind of guy. I do email, I do my program, and I do podcasts. I'm not a social media guy, but you know I'm I'm trying to provide you with information that you're not going to get in the mainstream media. And I mean, even look how the news reports are. I I want you to think about this, and I know I've mentioned it before, but it's always worth repeating. If you turn on the television and you can watch any news show on any network, I don't care. With the exception, I have to give credit where it's due. Three places: one American news network, one American news network, um, Newsmax and the blaze tv the dana show i've been on with dana many times it's fun doing her program i would have in fact been on with her this past week except i had a speaking engagement in washington i addressed a room filled with senior air force officials i work with the speakers bureau alan freed associates down in washington but all the other networks when they talk about immigration do not bring on former immigration agents i want you to think about the significance When they do a story about a murder, they'll bring in retired homicide detectives. If they're doing a story uh, about a kidnapping, they might bring in some FBI profilers who have retired. If the story is about the space program, they bring in retired astronauts. If it's about cancer, they bring in scientists, oncologists, surgeons, and so forth. If it's about the military, they bring in retired generals and colonels and Navy SEALs. No shortage of experts. But when the topic turns to immigration, all bets are off. Talk show hosts, pundits, pollsters, you might get a border sheriff, again, reinforcing the notion that we're a country of four border states. Border sheriffs know nothing about immigration other than that they're arresting illegal aliens for committing terrible crimes. Is that a story? Sure it is. But if you want to know about the nuts and bolts of immigration, why aren't they bringing on former immigration agents? Think about that. They don't bring in former immigration agents, not because there's a shortage, but there's a lack of desire because they are treating Americans like mushrooms, keeping them in the dark and feeding them a lot of uh, fertilizer. It's willful. It's intentional. It's by design. So these are the issues that I'm tackling. I want to wake you up so that you can have these discussions and these conversations with your neighbors And we need to have these conversations. And, you know, uh, if you find my program interesting, if you find the materials I write to be helpful, let your friends and neighbors know. If you're into social media, more the better. However you broadcast the information, please become part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. That's the antidote to the news blackout that we experience where immigration is concerned. This isn't about xenophobia. It's not about racism, and it's not about Democrats versus Republicans. I, I wrote an article that I spoke about last week. And I said, you know, this guy gets dragged off an airplane. And all the people in the news business were appalled by the way he was treated. And they talked about how he was yanked out of a seat and dragged out of the airplane. And nobody asked if Democrats or Republicans were more upset. They didn't see it as a left-right issue. They saw it as a matter of what's fair, what's reasonable. And I know the law is on the side of the airline, apparently. And news report lately is that he's had some kind of a Settlement, and, and there's a, a gag order so that nobody knows how much money he was given, whatever, consider it, I guess, hush money. And maybe he did stuff wrong also. But that image was disturbing, and I have to tell you, I was disturbed by it. Nobody wants to see someone dragged off an airplane who's minding his own business, and suddenly he's told, Sorry, Charlie, you're not flying with us today. And, and you know, I, I have no problem flying. I did a little single engine flying as a kid. But some people are traumatized just by flying. So imagine someone who's really psyched up, and they're they're bracing themselves to to go on on an airplane trip, and suddenly they're they're being told, you got to get off the airplane. This isn't the way you treat people. But this is the way increasingly corporate America treats us, because they can. Because they can. Because the politicians continue to back them up over Americans. Corporations win against we, the people, every day of the week with a Y in it, okay? Which is every day of the week. And why? Because they make campaign contributions. Money talks and BS walks. So corporations have gotten emboldened to treat us like trash. And nobody said, well, do the Republicans feel differently than the Democrats? Do the Latinos feel differently than the other Americans? Of course not. This is about fairness and reasonableness. Why, then, is it a left-right issue how Americans feel when they see fellow Americans being unceremoniously dumped out of their jobs when they've perhaps worked for a company loyally for decades? Is that a left-right issue? Absolutely not. This is another one of the lies, another one of the fabrications, another one of the ways that they play the game of divide and conquer. And why would any American, irrespective of race, religion, ethnicity, feel one way or the other about preventing terrorists, narcotics, and gangsters from coming into the United States. It's discriminatory. It's racist. It's insane. It's disgusting to treat Latino Americans different from any other American. They're not different. They're American. But how many times do you hear this garbage, which infuriates me? It makes my head spin. Well, if the president wants to appeal to Latino voters, he's got to let in all the illegals and make sure they get citizenship so he can get the Latino vote. What? Does anyone believe that garbage, that rubbish? The black voter, the Jewish voter. These are the same journalists who have a cow at the mere intimation that law enforcement profiled, but they certainly have no problem jumping up and down and talking about Latino voters. I got to tell you, when I spoke before this group of Air Force officials in Washington, a gentleman came up to me, and I'm not going to use his name because I'm not into that sort of thing. But he he said to me, you know, Mr. Cutler, I, I came to America from Cuba as an infant.
1: And I agree
0: with you. I'm so glad you talked about Latino voters. I have a Hispanic last name. And. I'll be darned if you think that my values are different from any other Americans, and I'm an Air Force officer. And he's right, and I was pleased that he came up and said that to me, and I plan to speak with him this coming week. But he was infuriated by it. He said, you know, he was thrilled that I stood in front of that room and burst that bubble, that lie that somehow Latinos want lawlessness, that they're happy that there are gang members in America. That leads me to to uh, I keep calling him Senator Sessions. Indeed, he was the senator from Alabama. I know him. I've been with him um, on a panel discussion in Florida. You know, I write for the um, Front Page Magazine, sponsored by the terrific uh, David Horowitz Freedom Center. David Horowitz does great work, as does his staff. I'm proud to be one of their regular contributors. I generally write three or four or five articles per month for Front Page Magazine, and I was with Senator Sessions for a panel discussion in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, a couple of years ago. And you can go to my website, michaelcutler.net, or you can go to the Front Page Magazine website and and find it. But uh, I was um, a participant in a panel discussion with Senator Sessions and Congressman Louie Gohmert and John Fleming. And we talked about immigration and the nonsense that's being foisted on the American people. Well, Senator Sessions is now, of course, Attorney General Sessions. And Attorney General Sessions was out on Long Island, on, out at Islip, where there's a federal courthouse, talking about MS 13. MS 13, for those of you not familiar with it, is a very pernicious and very violent gang that emanates from El Salvador and Los Angeles. <clears throat> and there are some gang members from Guatemala, Mexico thrown in for good measure, and some Americans have now gotten involved. But I started investigating them out on the island ironically, uh, nearly 25 years ago. And it was a small problem, although the violence was there, and there were stabbings and rapes and small quantities of drugs being sold, and DEA jumped on it because they said while they're not moving tonnage, the level of violence was extreme, and that was of concern. But immigration didn't really jump on this bandwagon the way it needed to because it lacked the resources. They still lack the resources for interior enforcement, And so this small problem became a huge problem. MS-13 now is one of the most prominent and most violent gangs that has metastasized across the United States. Out on Long Island, it is believed that at least 15 young people have been killed by the gang. Most, if not all, of the victims are members of the ethnic Latino immigrant community. So when you hear this lie, oh, my God. You're anti-immigrant. You want to enforce the law. Who's anti-immigrant, Mike Cutler or MS-13? See, what I want is immigration laws that are enforced effectively and fairly. No alien has an inherent right to enter the United States of America, period. No alien, I'll repeat it again, no alien has the inherent right to enter this country. No alien has the inherent right to enter any country. If I want to go to Canada, I have to say, may I? If a stranger knocks on my door to enter my house, he or she has to say, may I? And I have to unlock the door to let that stranger in. Otherwise, it's called breaking and entering. So please understand this notion that somehow it's a terrible thing to not allow aliens into the United States is crazy. Uh, The people that we're trying to keep out, and if you go to Title 8, United States Code Section 1182, you will see that we're trying to keep out aliens of dangerous communicable diseases. Remember, Ellis Island, that we hear so much about by the immigration anarchists, Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases goes back to that. Aliens who are severely mentally ill, again, that goes back to the idea of Ellis Island as a quarantine station. And then we get the criminals and spies and terrorists and human rights violators and war criminals and fugitives from justice, aliens who are previously deported. And then finally, we get to aliens who would become a public charge or if they worked with displaced Americans. Doesn't talk about race, doesn't talk about religion, doesn't talk about ethnicity. It's very simple. And what's so remarkable, and I've written about it before, you have Mayor de Blasio in New York. New York is a sanctuary city. And he says, oh, you know, we're not going to let immigration know who these people are. But he wants to throw criminals out of public housing because the law says that criminals, gang members, drug dealers are not supposed to live in public housing. That he's been complaining that the New York City Police Department hasn't notified the housing authority the way they need to so they could you know, evict or prevent the um, renting of apartments to criminals to keep the residents of public housing safe. And he's right. I agree with him. But here's the disconnect. If you're worried about criminals creating a threat to people who live in public housing, why isn't he afraid of criminal aliens who create a threat to everybody by being inside the United States? And if you want to go after human trafficking, which Chuck Schumer and Senator Gillibrand says she wants to do, they issued a joint press release, then they should be thrilled to have aliens who have been smuggled go and talk to ICE, not shield them from ICE. Because the way you put together a case against the human traffickers is to get the aliens who are smuggled into the United States to provide actionable intelligence to the ICE agents who could then conduct an investigation, identify the smugglers, arrest them, have them prosecuted, put in jail, and put their organizations out of business. When sanctuary cities shield illegal aliens from the ICE agents, they handicap the agents of ICE and their ability to identify, arrest, and dismantle smuggling organization members. How does that make us safer? How is this rational or reasonable? We're seeing the same thing with the wall on the border, and I think I spoke about it last week. Um, there's an individual who was just prosec- who's just um, been indicted, and he's uh, pleaded guilty to smuggling aliens a guy by the name of Sharafat Ali Khan, a Pakistani, who moved to Brazil, set up shop in Brazil, and then started smuggling aliens into the Western Hemisphere from Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and other countries that are associated with terrorism. In fact, at least one of the smuggled aliens has has been shown to have an affiliation with the Taliban. Now, the issue of Brazil is very, very important and very, very significant and very, very dangerous. What most people don't know, and again, you're not going to get this on the 6 o'clock news. I've yet to see anybody reporting on this. The tri-border region of Brazil, terror training camps involving Hamas, Hezbollah, probably ISIS and al-Qaeda as well. The tri-border region of Brazil is where Brazil abuts with Paraguay and Argentina. Dangerous area. You go down there and you're not wanted. You will probably never be seen or heard from again. So this guy moves into Brazil, and he specifically funnels lots of illegal aliens at fifteen thousand dollars a pop, according to the reports. Funnels them through Brazil where he has a staging area, and then he farms them up through the Panama and so forth till they eventually cross the U.S.-Mexican border. Why Brazil? Why Brazil? And as an agent, you know, they say that if you see a coincidence, look again, for me, the idea that there's a tri-border region, even though it wasn't mentioned in the indictment, you have to wonder if that isn't the component. Perhaps these people were given training in the tri-border region on their way to the United States. Maybe not, but that's a possibility that needs to be considered. And I assure you, this is not the only smuggling ring. You know, you get on the highway, everyone's speeding. The cops pop one speeder out of of that wolf pack of speeding cars. How many more speeding cars are there? How many more smuggling operations are there bringing in people from the Middle East and other parts of the world who not only violate the immigration laws but potentially pose a threat to national security and public safety? And yet, if you dare say to people, we need to enforce the immigration laws, you get labeled. You are a xenophobe. You are a hater. You are a racist. I'll tell you what I hate. I will tell you what I hate. I hate reading a headline about 15 kids being killed by MS-13 on Long Island. That's what I hate. I hate the fact that it's been reported that 7,000 innocent people lose their lives every year because of aliens who have no lawful right to be in the United States. That's what I hate. I hate that aliens gamed the immigration system and the asylum system and carried out the Boston Marathon attack the Tsarnaev brothers. I hate picking up a newspaper or watching TV and seeing the carnage in San Bernardino. That's what I hate. I hate looking at this heroin epidemic, and I've been speaking about this for, what, five years now? Finally, it's making headlines, but they're not so much talking about heroin, are they? What they're talking about is the opioid epidemic. And what they're not going along to talk about is how once people are hooked on opioids, the prescription drugs, maybe they've had an injury or so forth, what is far cheaper, prescription meds, is heroin. The demand for heroin has never been higher. They are now providing Narcan, the antidote to heroin overdoses, opioid overdoses, to public school nurses. But nobody is asking the question on television how is the heroin coming into the United States because we don't manufacture a single gram of that poison in the United States
1: every gram
0: of heroin is smuggled and if you're smuggling contraband into the United States then you're talking about alien groups that are behind the effort because they're the ones that are bringing in the drugs and very often they smuggle the aliens and the drugs at the same time if you raid the ha- of prostitution in ethnic immigrant communities, not just from Latin America, the Russian communities, the Asian communities. You see these young girls, some of whom are prostitutes, and that's what they were doing in their home country. Others were duped, tricked, or coerced into becoming prostitutes in the United States. What a hell of a thought. How despicable. Why does that happen? Because you have a huge illegal alien population. And these guys want companionship on Friday night or whatever, so they go to these houses of prostitution with these young girls. The solution? Well, we used to do it years ago. We immigration agents would go out with public morals cops. They would lock up the hookers. We would lodge detainers. You know, we've been hearing so much about the detainers. And we would also arrest the illegal alien johns. So the word was on the street that if you go to a house of prostitution, if you go to a brothel, You may well get arrested by immigration and deported. So suddenly these guys decided it wasn't worth the risk to be arrested by immigration. So they stayed away from the houses of prostitution. And we were able to have a a good impact on putting some of those houses of prostitution out of business. The customers dried up, if you will. But yet if you ask for having immigration work with the police, oh, we're a sanctuary city. We're helping all these people. With friends like mayors of sanctuary cities, aliens don't need enemies. This is making their lives infinitely more dangerous, perilous, and violent here in the United States. And, and, and so I want you to understand the lies that are being perpetrated, the nonsense that's being spewed, this false narrative that has been created. And we really need to have the courage as Americans and as men and women to stand up to the lies, to stand up to the lies. And that's why I write for a bunch of websites. I write for capsweb.org, Californians Population Stabilization. I I do a lot of writing for frontpagemag.com. And the social contract article. uh, You know, I'm just so proud of both of these pieces that I wrote. They were labors of love. And when we talk about reforming immigration – Well, what the corporations want, what the American Immigration Lawyers Association wants. And by the way, I can tell you that there are quite a few members of Congress and other politicians, pardon me, who are members of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, or at least their friends are, or they get campaign contributions from the American Immigration Lawyers Association. And to those lawyers who practice immigration law, illegal aliens are clients. You know, you talk about ambulance chases. Well, these folks are coyote chasers, smuggler chasers. The more that come here, the more clientele for their people, for those lawyers. And this is what they practice. Have you ever heard of a lawyer turning down clients? I mean, it's a rare day, isn't it? So this is what we're confronted with. Politicians looking out for corporations that are making these campaign contributions politicians looking out for the attorneys they might even be a lawyer perhaps they practice immigration law and maybe they're thinking that if they ever decide they want to stop being in politics they can go back to their lucrative practice of immigration law and the american people don't get it one of the provisions of comprehensive reform that thankfully was defeated was that the government would pay legal fees for illegal aliens now where else does the government provide legal fees other than criminal cases when a defendant is arrested on criminal charges? You pay for your accountants do your taxes. Legal immigrants pay for their attorneys, and they get a hefty fee for those services, those lawyers. But somehow illegal aliens get first-class treatment. They get to sit up front, and they don't pay. And when I've said this to people at speaking events around the United States, and by the way, if you know of any such events, you can reach me through my website, michaelcutler.net. You can contact CAPS Web, uh, California's Population Stabilization. They'll reach out to me. However, you want to get a hold of me. would be happy to do a speaking event in your neck of the woods. I've been literally coast-to-coast, border-to-border in the United States doing these events. But when, when you consider um, the way that this whole thing comes together, This isn't about pandering to the illegal alien, which is what people say to me. You know, I do an event and they say to me, oh, they're pandering to the illegals. That's silly. Where's the, as my mother would have said, the percentage? Where's the advantage? Where are you making money by pandering to illegal aliens? You don't. They're pandering to themselves. The lawyers want to make certain that they won't get stiffed by illegal aliens who don't have the money to pay them. So how do they do that? They included in the legislation a provision where the federal government would pay the legal fees. The only people who benefit by that are the immigration attorneys. So do you need better proof than that that these lawyers in government and the friends of the lawyers who are in government are looking out for the best interests, not of the American people, but of the attorneys who represent the illegal aliens? Goodness gracious, it's as clear as day. And so folks have to, you know, kind of put their head back on straight, pandering to illegal aliens, this is pandering to the lawyers, so that the lawyers make certain they get paid, because lawyers live for billable hours, and they were attempting to get Uncle Sam to pay for those billable hours. This is the stuff that goes on day in, day out, that goes unreported. You're not going to hear this in the mainstream media. And finally, we have a president who stands with Americans. He's not a globalist, but a populist. And by the way, you're seeing the same battle play out in England, Brexit. You're seeing the same battle play out in France with their election. Suddenly, French citizens are are screaming about a lack of sovereignty. Haven't they had enough terrorist attacks? In fact, in England, there was just another, I, I believe, a group of five suspected terrorists arrested. Uh, one of them, a woman, was shot during the course of the operation, and she was identified as a target of the investigation into terrorism in England. So they're, they're looking at this threat of terrorism, and generally, these are folks who came across the borders one way or the other, and then sought to carry out deadly attacks. How many of those do you have to have before people say enough? Enough. And yet you've got politicians in America saying, oh, we're not going to support that border wall. Meanwhile, the Democrats like Chuck Schumer voted for the fence 10 years ago. And now all of a sudden, oh, Trump is crazy. We can't build a wall. And it's funny because an attorney sent me an email. I'm on his email list. Again, this shows you what goes on. There was a conference of the high-tech companies that provide drones and other high-tech equipment to secure the border. And they made fun of the border wall, these executives, apparently. And so this lawyer put this thing out. Look at this. Ha ha. These high tech people, they know the wall doesn't work. And I couldn't believe it. And and I don't know if this lawyer is just dumb or he's playing along with these people. This is like the military industrial complex. And in some cases, these companies are military companies. Why do you think they're against the wall? Because the, the wall would work. They would rather sell the government gazillion-dollar toys that are largely ineffective so they could make money. They don't care about securing the border. They care about their profit margin, just like the people that fire Americans to hire illegals or hire people on on work visas. This is all about money. And, in fact, we keep hearing about drones on the border. There were studies done, and they wrote an article on the front page about that, the article where I said border security is national security. And there were studies done that show that the drones are worthless, but they cost a lot of money. You're better off with helicopters with armed Border Patrol agents on board. Why would you want to have drones up? Drones can't make arrests, and drones are expensive. But this is where these folks make their money. And the wall by itself, I keep making the point, isn't going to solve the immigration crisis by itself. It's a component of a system. It's a component of a system. I compare a wall on the border with a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. And I had this discussion with this very nice lady last week, and she said, well, you are going to put up the wall, but they're going to tunnel under the wall. I said, well, that's right. And, and they might even fly hang gliders over the wall, so here's what we should do. She said, what? I said, fire the Border Patrol and give up on the notion of border security. Don't bother inspecting anybody entering the United States or international airports or seaports. And let's just say that anybody that wants to come here can come here. And let's have total immigration anarchy. And I think this woman actually would have gone along with that. Blows my mind. If you can't keep the enemy out of your country, you can't protect your people or your country. This is as fundamental as it gets. And I assure you that that woman sleeps in a house with a locked door and probably a burglar alarm. That's her personal safety. And her mindset was that the border is so far away, and we're here in New York. I have to tell you, the foolishness and the selfishness of the American people will be the ruination and has been the ruination of this country. People who only conjugate verbs in the first person singular, you know? Me, myself, and I, the three most important people they know. If we can't keep America's enemies and and the terrorists that have evil intentions, evil designs upon us, then we will be done in by these folks. It is not sustainable to allow anybody and everybody to enter the United States, bring their kids, and have them go to school. That's the other thing you're not hearing about if there's a massive legalization program. Because if we legalize 30 million aliens, and believe me, it'll be at least that number, if we ever did any sort of comprehensive reform, they would immediately have the absolute authority to bring all their kids here legally, and they would immediately be enrolled in our schools, and the schools right now are crumbling. And I can tell you that the special programs for children with learning disabilities, autism, and so forth in New York are being defunded. The money is being taken away. Kids with autism need early intervention. Early intervention can make all the difference between a child who is dependent on others for his or her entire life, perhaps being institutionalized, God forbid, and a child who can excel and become a member of society. Early intervention is pivotal. It is pivotal. And yet the funding for early intervention is drying up faster than you could imagine, But meanwhile, in New York City, Mayor de Blasio now wants to have kindergarten, pre-K, for children starting at age three. And I believe that it's going to cost over a billion dollars. Well, when you look at the demographics of New York, you're basically talking about all that money being spent, or the bulk of that money being spent on kids who are either the children of illegal aliens or that were, in fact, brought into the country illegally by their parents. We will go bankrupt this way. And meanwhile, American kids who desperately need early intervention are not getting that money. Does this make any sense to anybody other than crooked politicians? Forgive the redundancy. If politicians wonder why they're so reviled and hated, they need to pick up a newspaper and make believe they're just Joe Schmo, average New Yorker, average American, and ask themselves how they would feel if they had a child who had a learning disability situation and couldn't get that child into a program to help that child maximize his or her potential. They'd be yodeling louder than you could imagine. But if it doesn't bother them and they can get away with it, the hell with the average American family. When you saw those kids in Baltimore rioting and St. Louis rioting, you're seeing children who are hope they live in poverty. The level of violence is through the roof. The opportunities for bottom-rung jobs is evaporating as you bring in more illegal aliens who take those jobs. These kids have no legitimate way to make any money. They turn potentially to committing some so-called minor street crime, and now you have set up a confrontation between them and the police. If you're getting your money here, there, and everywhere by selling a little weed, selling stolen property, whatever – When you see that police officer, you don't see a friend, you see an adversary. These kids need opportunities. And they're not going to get those opportunities until we stop this flood of illegal immigration, until we stop the flood of the gangs and the flood of the drugs coming into America. And what blows my mind are the people who protest against President Trump as though he's the problem. He's the problem. The American people understand what's going on, and that's why when he talked about building the wall, everybody went crazy. And maybe some people were afraid to be outwardly supportive. I mean, look what's going on on college campuses. Look at the madness with Ann Coulter. Whether you like her or not, this isn't hate speech. She's a firebrand. She says pretty outrageous stuff. She's like a shock jock. Some people find her entertaining. Other people don't. That's all about taste, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But when you can have... Officials on a college campus like Berkeley say, you're not going to speak here. We're not going to guarantee your safety. Then America is finished. Democracy is finished. The First Amendment is finished. The good taste police aren't supposed to filter what you're going to say. That's not how the Constitution works. Short of yelling fire in a crowded theater, short of screaming for people to go out and kill people, You can talk about pretty much anything you want to, and people have a choice of either listening or not listening, or maybe debating. If the people at Berkeley had balls, if they had cojones, they should debate Ann Coulter and say you're wrong, and we can show that you're wrong, and do it by providing facts, by providing information, and so forth. I was going to teach debate on the college level had I not become a federal agent. So you disagree with Ann Coulter? Great. Have her come to the campus and tell her, We're going to have another speaker oppose your position. Let's turn this into a debate. And if she says no, that's fine. When she gets done, have your guy or your gal get up and and give a speech that opposes her position. That's the American way. That's what every soldier who has given his or her life in defense of this country has fought for. That freedom to speak your mind freely. Once you lose that ability, folks, democracy sits on quicksand. Democracy depends on the free flow of thoughts and ideas. It's a kind of intellectual capitalism. You bring your ideas, you bring your belief system to the marketplace of intellectual uh, endeavor, and the customers, the audience, if you will, get to decide which product they like better, which ideas, which concept works for them. That's how democracy works. That's how free speech works. When you have universities shutting down free speech, democracy itself is in jeopardy. That's why the First Amendment is the First Amendment, because all else rests upon this notion of freedom of speech. Take away freedom of speech, you've taken away democracy. That is a frightening prospect. But that's where we are, whether it's the corporations that are buying off the politicians, whether it's the news media that won't report the news objectively. This is all putting our democratic society, our tradition as Americans in jeopardy. That's why I do this program. And it's very important that we get the facts out there. And you know, I know that if you look at my article, 20 pages, you may say, wow, that's a lot of reading. It is and it isn't. We're adults, we can handle it. We used to be the most literate country in history. You have to be armed with the facts so that you understand the way that you're being conned. So what I'm going to ask you, seriously, if you read my article, if you like this podcast, if you like the program, you can send friends to the podcast, do it. Let's have that honest debate. Let's have that honest discussion. Let's get people to think and understand where we are, where we need to be. You know, this isn't left-right. This is right-wrong. This is globalists versus the populists. This is about looking out for our fellow Americans. Because at the end of the day, if you do what I've done, and I've traveled all over this amazing country, and I've met so many of our fellow Americans, that irrespective of religion, irrespective of race, irrespective of where we live, as Americans, we all have similar goals and dreams. We want the military to keep our enemies as far from us as possible. We want police to keep our streets safe. We want the schools to educate our kids. And we want to know that any American willing to study hard, work hard, and perhaps have a bit of luck added to the mix, any American, irrespective of what I call the superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American can write the next great American success story. And we can all make a difference. You know, sometimes people say to me, I'm only one person. So I I want you to think about that argument, that I'm only one person. If I asked you right now to take out a piece of paper and a pen and do it after the show, turn off your computer, put away your, your smartphone, don't use the Internet, but I'm going to give you 15 minutes. Write down the names of the key players of the Second World War, whether they were good or bad, whether you want to talk about Hitler or General Patton, I don't care. Write down a list of all the significant names from the Second World War a war that devastated the world where tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people were uprooted and people were killed in unbelievable numbers, the suffering, you'd be hard-pressed to come up with more than two or three dozen names. Out of all those millions that were impacted directly by World War II, you'd be accomplishing something if you could come up with more than two or three dozen names. Now, what does that tell you? Individuals, individuals can make all the difference in the world. When you say I'm only one person, you're admitting defeat. You're waving the white flag of surrender. Americans don't do that. We need to stand tall and stand strong and stand together. And we need to make it clear to our elected representatives, and I don't care if they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party, that they are our employees and they are being insubordinate. They need to know that their jobs are on the line just the way they put Americans' jobs on the line that folks is the work all americans not only can do but i would tell you that that is the work americans must do especially in this perilous era donald trump is trying to rein in the madness attorney general sessions is trying to do the right thing i think they're they're they're, you know what they're doing is heroic so the question is what happens in the upcoming midterm election Will Donald Trump be remembered by history as a speed bump on the way to America's demise, just slowing the process? Or is this going to be the beginning of a trend where Americans stand up to the politicians and say to them, no more, we've had it with you. You're either with us or you're against us. But if you're going to argue those points, you need to have the facts. That's what my articles and that's what this program is about. Uh, Again, you know, uh, the hour goes quickly, but I I do want to thank you for listening. I do want to thank you in advance for your going over the articles that I write. And if you like the articles, post them on Facebook, email your friends. Please, I ask you, become part of my bucket brigade of truth. We really need to empower we, the people, with knowledge, with facts, not with nonsense, not with speculation, cold, hard facts. And when you look at those two articles at front page, at, I'm um, sorry, old habits, there will be other articles up next week on front page, I can assure you, but the social contract, I think you will find, uh, you know, that old that old commercial, where's the beef? There's plenty of beef in those articles. I've given you hard facts and the perspective that you could only acquire by having spent many years working for the old INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. So please read the articles. See what you can take away from it that helps you to get other people to truly understand the nature of the immigration crisis and the way that we've been deceived. Once we understand the tactics of our opponents, it's much easier to combat the lunacy that they've been foisting on us for far too long. And that, folks, is the work that all Americans must do. I thank you for joining me. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. CapsWeb.org, FrontPageMag.com, of course, TheSocialContract.com. And uh, I look forward again to seeing you next week, same time right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, and please remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. Good night, everybody.